you? I am Michelle Gifford. Hey, I'm Sarah Allred. We are the girls behind Women With Fire, and we specialize in building influencers. Welcome to the podcast. Listen as we chat with influential women who feel guided by the divine to build empires of truth at home, in business, and abroad. The goal here is to empower you to grow your influence everywhere. Join the nation of women who get things done at thewomenwithfire.com. Welcome back to season three of the Mormon Mompreneur podcast. This is Sarah. I get to be your host for today, and I am the luckiest host of all because I get to sit across today from one of my ultimate heroes. This woman has been my Vans playlist for nearly six years as I drive around. Her voice has been in my mind and has inspired me to be my very, very best, and it is none other than the amazing Hillary Weeks. Hillary Weeks has created 11, it's 11, correct? That's right, yeah. She has done 11 different CDs and has inspired tens of thousands. She has also been on the top billboard for three of her CDs. Correct. Wonderful. I've done my research. So excited. And so she has had just some really amazing accomplishments. But more importantly, she is focused on inspiring and uplifting women. That is what I felt like she has done for me and my family. And so I'm really just going to dive in and tell her thank you for being here, Hillary, and thank you for giving of your time to talk with us today. Thanks for having me. That was such a nice introduction. And how funny that you call it your van playlist. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Much of my life has spent in that van and you are right along with me. So (laughs) that's great. That is great. Well, we, the great thing about the Mormon Mompreneur podcast is not only do we have entrepreneurs, tons of business entrepreneurs that listen, but we also have women of faith who simply want to be uplifted. And I feel like Hillary, you have figured out how to uplift and inspire in every action, word, and deed. Do you feel that you've always been Miss Optimism and and Miss Fun, or how have you developed into this person that is so uplifting to everyone around her? Well, thank you again for another nice compliment. I I think I've always been drawn to doing good, even when I was a teenager, I liked taking a plate of cookies to someone or I liked leaving a note. I think I probably feel the same way that your listeners do and that you do that it's just, there's so much meaning and joy that comes to us when we're trying to make someone else's life better or we're paying attention to someone who is in need and we're trying to do something about it. Um, As far as being optimistic or positive, that's something that I've really wanted to work on. So that's what propelled me into the world of reading about it, learning about it, experimenting with it, trying it, practicing every day is because I want to be a more positive person. And I can tell you, uh, the practice sure has helped. Instead of it being my third or fourth response, like it maybe used to be, positivity is more my first or second response. So you feel that you've developed into that person, that this wasn't some God-given gift, but that you've developed it as a skill. 
that really is how I feel. And I'm happy about that because there's so many skills that I still need. And it gives me hope that I can keep working on things and keep developing them. And even if they didn't come to me naturally, I have the ability to continue to work on it and they can come. I absolutely love that. And our listeners are really going to thrive with that idea, just the idea of hope. And one of the things that you did, I felt early on, were these clickers. For any Mm -hmm. of our listeners that don't know about your clickers, can you tell us all about this and what experiences it's brought you? Sure. Um, I'll tell it in a nutshell, but it in, oh gosh, it's been five or six years ago. I heard a woman speak and she said, she wasn't talking about positive thinking, but in the course of her message, she said that we think on average 300 negative thoughts a day. And that caught my attention and I wanted to know if that was true. So I went home, I got online and I bought myself a handheld tally counter, a clicker. And I started counting my negative thoughts. And after a week of counting anything that that was negative that came to my mind, I woke up in the morning and I usually wake up early by myself, spend some time reading or studying. And I sat there on the couch and I thought to myself, I am, I'm so depressed today. I feel so sad. And I thought back over my week. Of course, I thought, did somebody say something to me or has something changed in my circumstances? Why am I feeling this way? And I couldn't find anything that had changed until it occurred to me, it was that experiment. It was clicking my negative thoughts. And I thought, is it possible that giving my negative thoughts recognition simply by clicking them was enough to give, was enough power to let them completely change my mood and how I felt? I was amazed by it. And so I decided if I could, um, change the experiment and click my positive thoughts, would my mood come back to normal or would I feel more positive than I had ever felt before? So that's what I did. I clicked for the next week and I haven't stopped clicking. I I keep a clicker on my treadmill. I click every time I run because obviously if we're filling our mind with positive reinforcement, our body's gonna respond. In fact, that week, that first week when I was counting my positive thoughts, and I took it on the treadmill with me, I ran further and longer than I had in 20 years because of the response my body was having to this positivity. So I haven't stopped clicking, I haven't stopped practicing those positive thoughts and I've, you know, I love to read about it, I love to get my hands on any sort of materials that talk about the power of our minds because I've really come to believe that everything we do happens first in our mind and in our heart. And boy, when we pair that with prayer and asking our Heavenly Father to help us achieve, there's really not much we can't do. You have learned how to equip yourself with that power. And I think that that is so profound and and so helpful for so many people. And there's no secret that you, you are a singer. You are in an industry that uh, is under attack in many ways, where music and lyrics are being used on the negative clicker side to impact our minds and our actions. And you have become a force for good on the other end. So how, how do you handle being in an industry that in many ways is under attack that way, but more importantly, as you are trying to 
to succeed and, and get your music out there to inspire? How do you handle the, the rejection and the pull from it and all those things? What, what have been your experiences that way? That's a great question. I've never really wanted to write love songs or country songs or pop songs, even though I love listening to all those kinds of songs. I, I've always been drawn to writing about uh, inspirational, faith-based messages. That's just where my heart is. And so by nature of writing about those things, it does bring um it's it's a different world it's a different place i'm not really out there competing with those wonderful entertainers who bring us so much fun music that we can snap our fingers to and and dance to and roll down the windows in our car to but i love writing the music that's there for us in the moments when the other type of entertaining music just won't cut it when we are going through something that we are we are just not sure we're going to make it through I love the type of music that I get to contribute and create that helps people know that they're going to get through it. They're not alone. God is aware, and the lyrics help express that to them, or the lyrics help express what is in their heart when they don't have the words to say it themselves. So by nature, the kind of music that I write is, a, is a, just a, a beautiful and uplifting world to be in. Wonderful. And do you feel that there has always been space for you in in that area of music? Like, how did this happen? How were you discovered, so to speak? And, and how did you how did this grow? How did it all happen? Well, um, in 1993, so when I was 23 years old, and I'll save everybody doing the math, I'm 47. <laughs> but I'm not telling you how much I weigh. <laughs> Well, she has a clicker um, on her treadmill, so she's <laughs> she's doing fine. <laughs> um, I was able to publish, or my first song was published. That was "He Hears Me," and it was on the EFY album. And uh, the the percussionist heard the song. He was also for lack of a better word, a scout for Deseret Book. He contacted me and asked if I had written any other music. And of course, I was thrilled to tell him that I had. And we worked together over the next three years, getting enough music, me writing, me throwing out songs that I've written that weren't good enough. And then in 96, we released my first solo CD, which was called He Hears Me. And yeah, 11 CDs later and 20 years later, I'm still just loving uh, the, uh, the opportunity and the privilege of, of still producing music. And we're so glad that you continue to produce it. We can always, always use more. No pressure, right? No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about uh, the whole creation process. We we actually put a call out on social media and said, we are interviewing Hillary. Do you have questions? And it exploded. They have many questions for you. And one of the most common questions was, how do you find the space, the quiet, and those moments to, to fill your own cup and to be inspired to write such powerful things. They know you have kids. They know you're a mom and a wife and, and have church callings, all those things. How do, you, how do you do it? What's the secret? That is such a good question. I think every mom asks herself that when she wants to try to find at least a little time to pursue her own hobbies or interests. And we have little toddlers running around and they're just, our time just isn't our own. 
you know, most of the time. And so what I found when my kids were younger, I could carve out 15 minutes or 20 minutes here and there. And I would accept that 15 minutes was all I had. And I would ask God to magnify it, to take it like he did the loaves and the fishes to make me enough in 20 minutes to make my creativity enough and to help me get the job done. And those CDs were written 15 minutes at a time. And he really can, we can accomplish anything. I know what it's like. I know how it feels to not have, but to long for an afternoon and all to yourself or two or three hours just to focus on something that you love or you want to get done. And we often don't get it. But if we can just accept, be grateful for those small chunks of time, I promise with God's help and his love, it becomes enough and we become enough. And anything that we want to pursue, it finishes. It, we don't, we, it, get, it gets completed. Wow. So this is just bringing me to my childhood. So my mother is a Deseret Book author. And she would write her books 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And I felt like as her kid, all of a sudden these newly published books would show up on the shelves at Deseret Book. And we'd kind of, when did you do that, Mom? When did you do that? So what do you think this experience has been like for your, for your own kids, seeing what you've done here? Okay, my hope is that they never felt overly ignored. I mean, I can't... <laughs> I have to admit that there were times when I was like, give me one more second. I'm almost done. Or my kids have to say, you know, can you put your phone down? I, I am guilty of that. And you get in those creative moments and you really don't want to ruin the vibe. But I hope that they felt like they were number one to me, that they were a priority. And I hope that in the midst of it, they also realize that they can do anything they want to do. And when they are pursuing their own dreams that it is possible and you can do it and that because they watched their mom try to do something that she liked doing and that's always been important to you I love that message I love that and many of our moms who are entrepreneurs right now are asking those questions and seeking inspiration that way and one of those moms is Brianna and Brianna asked a question on social media that I thought was so poignant that I am dying to hear from you she says how have you reconciled God's will for you and wanting to pursue in wanting to pursue your dream have they always coincided first of all way to go Brianna for thinking about what God wants us to do and thinking about his will. Over time, I have learned that if I will seek that out, he knows what will make me happiest. And so if I will try to do his will, which is what will make me happiest, I'm going to find joy. I'm going to feel peace even when the t it gets hard. Even when I face and run into walls, at least I have the assurance to know that this is what he wants me to do every time. I start writing for a new CD. It's like Satan has a heyday. He loves to get in my head. He loves to say things like, you're not good enough. You know you're not a very good writer. If your songs were good, you would be on the radio. And I have to battle it over and over. And I remember one time I came home from writing and I had been in the studio and we were already recording the CD and I was still not done writing and I was so discouraged. I came home and the adversary won out. I cried. 
I couldn't help with dinner. I couldn't help with the kids. I was good for nothing. And so I just went to bed. And my daughter came in. She was uh, nine at the time. She started at my feet and she tucked the covers all around me, all the way up to my head. And then she leaned over and she kissed me on the head. And she said, I believe in you. And I remember recently, you know, and I think this happens to all of us as women. We're pursuing something that we know is God's will. We know is good. It's going to make the world better. And because of all those things, Satan goes to work on us. And I was lamenting to my husband. I'm like, oh, I just feel discouraged. I just feel like I'm not going to be able to do this. And he said, oh, that's good. And I was like, what? What do you mean? That's good. <laughs> Did you, you didn't hear what I just You're said? You're not listening. <laughs> yeah. And he said to me, Every time you work on something that's important, Satan begins to work on you. So this is just a sign that you're working on the right thing. So to all those women out there who are working on the right thing, who run into walls or who have days where they feel discouraged, if you can, if it seems at all possible, would you take that as a compliment that you're doing the right thing and the adversary knows it and he wants to stop you because you're on the brink of something fabulous? So will you push through? And will you keep going and will you tell yourself you can do it? And will you surround yourself with cheerleaders, people who are essentially going to kiss you on the head and tell you, I believe in you and, and push through. You got it. You can do this. And it's the right thing. And when you know it's God's will, you're going to make it through because he is going to help you make it through. And I know that. See, we could end right here and everyone would be so uplifted mm -hmm. and ready to do this. So fantastic, Hillary, in a thousand ways. I, I feel like because you have learned to push through, you have influenced tens of thousands of people. And through one of your particular songs, Beautiful Heartbreak, you have reached so many who feel discouraged or picked on or things feel unfair. And many, many of our listeners have commented on this specific song. So how did that song come about? And what kind of doors or experiences has it opened for you? I co-wrote that song with Tyler Castleton, who also produces most of my CDs. And when we got together to write during a session, he brought that title. And at first I thought, what does that mean, beautiful heartbreak? And as he explained the concept where we go through things that are so hard, we honestly are not sure we're going to make it through. If, if we will keep going and keep trying, we, some, we get on the other end of it, the other side of it, and we realize that what we went through almost became and in so many cases becomes sacred because of what we learned. And we almost don't want to trade what we went through because of what we gained on the other side. So that's where the song idea came from. And it was interesting when we recorded that music video, we asked for volunteers to come to the video site. We didn't tell them what we were going to be doing, but at one point we gave them each a piece of poster board and a black permanent marker and said, would you take a minute and write down your beautiful heartbreak? And the most incredible thing was no one hesitated. Everyone has had a beautiful heartbreak. We've all been through or will go through those types of moments. The message is be kind to one another. Be gentle with one another. You don't know where someone is in the course of their beautiful heartbreak. You don't know if they're at the beginning or at the top. And the message is also push through because if you can find the good, if you can find the learning lesson in there, you'll be better for it.
One of your great reoccurring ideas here is that we as women need to push through. We need to push through. What, what does that look like? What if someone's sitting here and they don't know how to push through? What does that look like to you? Okay, here are a couple of things that I do that might be helpful or might spark an idea in someone else that is helpful for them personally. Um, I get on my knees every single day, morning and night. And one thing I learned, I'm so sad to say it took me a long time to learn, but I stay and listen. You know, I used to ask Heavenly Father for what I needed and tell him the things I was concerned about. And before I ever gave him a chance to say something back, I would pop up off my knees and start my day. So now I shut my door. I kneel down next to my bed. And in the morning, particularly after I've said my prayer, I just listen. Let him speak to you. Let him reassure you. You know, I have found that he doesn't give me a long list of things. He doesn't talk for a long time, but I will tell you that a lot of times it sounds like this. Hillary, he calls me by name. He calls me by name all the time. He knows me. He knows you. And a lot of times he'll say, I love you. He tells me that all the time. And do you know what kind of power is behind knowing that the God of the universe loves you and knows your name if that doesn't do it for you on certain days you know so I listen and sometimes he'll tell me something that I should do and sometimes he's just silent and that's okay too I just start about my day another thing that I do is I've written down my intentions or I guess you could call them my positive affirmations it's truths about me, about God, about life, about my family that I read through it's probably um, Oh, it takes me two minutes to read through them and I I remind myself I'll read it in the morning or before I go to bed and it's just things that I want to remind myself of especially in the moments when it seems hard to remember um, so prayer uh, reading through those intentions or truths or affirmations um, clicking for sure if I'm if I'm feeling down I'll take a minute and pick up my clicker and click uh, and I think we all know this one is just get outside of yourself and go do something for someone else when you just feel like the road's too hard for you. Just maybe make someone's road a little bit easier that day, and that helps too. Oh, just so wonderful. I just, I'm so grateful that our listeners have this chance to see someone who has gone through the wrestle of figuring out these things and how to push through. Um, one of the, we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about the business side of what you do. We do have many entrepreneurs that listen. And one of our entrepreneurs who uh, posted anonymously wants to know kind of how to get started. So she's a singer herself. She's recorded YouTube videos. She's just piano and vocal, that kind of a thing. And she just can't seem to gain traction. She doesn't know what to do. So as a business person, as a singer, what does she do to get her name out there and to grow? That's a really good question. And I think for everybody, especially in the music industry, the road is probably a little bit different. There isn't one way to make it happen. But I love hearing that she's on YouTube. I feel like that's a really good avenue for people. It's more of a hip avenue uh, for you know this day and age. That's where a lot of people start out. So I would commend her for that and tell her to keep doing things that way. Of course, so social media, you know, if she can be on Instagram or Facebook or whatever avenue she enjoys and help spread the word there. 
and create a following. Um, also, Deseret Book is the is the uh, publisher that I use, and I know that they're always looking for great songwriters, and she could always submit her songs to them. I will just say one little hint. You only need to submit one, maybe two songs. Pick your very, very best because they won't listen past, you know, one or two songs, but they will give them a feel for what you do. So don't be afraid to submit your songs to Deseret Book there. And she can contact me at info at hillaryweeks.com if she wants to send me an email and I can get her contact information about that. Whoa, great. We just connected. Now she's going to wish she hadn't posted anonymously. (laughs) (laughs) We could have connected a name to her. This is great. This is great. I have no doubt that she will be that she will be in touch that way. That is awesome. And now a small break. A word from those who make this podcast possible. This podcast is powered by Entreport. Entreport is our number one business tool. It literally does it all. Email marketing, sales funnels, automation, and it basically keeps your business running even when you're sleeping. Not only is Entreport the backbone of our businesses, but you can design a full-blown website using their customizable landing pages. It is the one-stop powerhouse shop where we keep our email lists, growth, marketing goals, and businesses at their very best. Check out the show notes or jump on thewomenwithfire.com slash Entreport to get started. And now back to the Women With Fire podcast. Okay, so I love I love that you're so willing to just share and just network with these people and say, here's how to do it. So we have talked so much about your influence for good and your desire to really inspire and keep women going. Who are some other entrepreneurs out there that you feel like have really hit the mark as far as being inspiring and uplifting that you admire? Okay, so that is a super good question. And while I do admire so many of them, I'm just going to go to honesty town here (laughs) and tell you that I have to be really careful with that because sometimes I will look at somebody else's success and feel like, oh, I guess I'm not doing very good. I guess I'm never going to have a... an idea that everybody loves. So I personally, even though I love being optimistic and I try to be really positive, I still have to be really careful to not compare anything that I have accomplished or done and view it through a lens that isn't accurate. Cause I, I can be really hard on myself. So, uh, let's see. I, some of my heroes, that I have followed would be Lisa Berenson. She uh, was the founder of Creating Keepsake Magazine. She is as good and wonderful as you hope she is. Amazing woman and and about so much more than just entrepreneurship. She just builds others. She's all about adding good to the world. I feel the same way about Becky Higgins, who's in that world as well, the scrapbooking. She's Project Life. And uh, just is always out there adding good to the world. Those women are heroes 
they are fantastic human beings as well as completely successful. And this is one of the reasons that I love the the Time Out for Women scenario where we get a lot of really great people all together and you have traveled the world doing Time Out for Women. What is that like being part of that? I couldn't love it more. I love it, love it, love it. While I get terrified of performing sometimes, and that's been one of the uphill battles that I've had to face, but I feel like I'm kind of on the other side of it, knock on wood. But I I do love performing now. Um, but I love meeting these women. Women from all over the United States. And like you said, we've traveled internationally as well, but they're just so good. One of the things that people say to me when I'm talking with women, as I've, I've done this for 14 years now, there's a common comment a lot of times from women who are a few years down the road. They will say to me, this time goes by so quickly, referring to the, the time when you have these little ones at home and you've got your teenagers at home. This time goes by so quickly, so make sure you, sure you embrace it. I'm so grateful to those women who shared that because it opened my eyes and made me embrace it and made me pay attention to being home and being present and not letting music or any other pursuit consume me more than pursuing family life. Have I done it perfectly? Oh my goodness, no, of course not. But I feel like I heeded that advice and I don't feel like overall I have regrets. So I would, we moved recently and I went down in the basement to go through some boxes and I came across these journals that I used to write for my girls. And every Sunday I would write a page in their journal about what they were doing and um, I, I quit, I quit writing them and it makes me so sad that I did because as they sat there and read through these journals, they laughed, they asked me questions about themselves and I'm like, oh yeah, if I have a regret, it's that I didn't keep doing that. Well, that, that makes sense and that whole Time Out for Women experience, I mean, we see you everywhere. Um, performing and uplifting and doing all those things and that's been one of my biggest questions for you has been how you know how have you made that happen so do you have any kind of rules of thumb as far as what you decide to say yes to versus what you decide to maybe scale away from how do you determine what to move forward with and maybe what to wait for another time yeah such an important question for everyone to ask themselves when I first came out with my uh, early music I started getting calls from people to have me come do firesides, which I wasn't expecting. I didn't know that if you sang, people then wanted you to come speak. <laughs> I didn't, wasn't expecting it. So <laughs> gotta go hand we, in hand, right? <laughs> no idea. Um, so my husband and I early on had to set ground rules where uh, how many performances I would do a month, how many things I would commit to that were in town, that were out of town. And once we set those ground rules, it was very easy to say, when someone called, to say that my schedule was full. And I didn't have to explain to them how full <laughs> or how many sure, things sure. I had committed to. It's just that it, for us, it was full. And I remember somebody telling me once that Stephen Covey said, it's easy to say no when there's a deeper yes burning inside. And for me, the deeper yes was committing to my family and to being home the right amount of time. Fantastic. I'm writing that one down. That's my big piece of info that I need to work on. Fantastic. 
So what would you say then beyond that? One of our readers asked about, you know, how you balance having kids and everything. And what about even having a church calling? Has that been a real challenge for you with all your travel and all these kinds of things? How have you worked that into your service as a member of the church? Um, When I have served, those I've served with have been really patient. They just kind of know that when it's time out for women's season, I may or may not be there on Sunday, depending on our flight and depending on what time church is. So they've just been really patient to work around that. And that's just been the biggest thing is just working with nice people who are willing to be nice. (laughs) That's the goal. Be one of those nice, nice people. Yeah, that's fantastic. As you have traveled the world with Time Out for Women and experienced so many different venues and all those kinds of things, what what have you learned from those women? Or maybe in general, what have you learned about women across the world um, that are members of the church? That we have so much in common that we're trying to do really essentially the same thing, which is to be good to try to do good and add good to the world. At at the heart of women is the desire to do good. Just like back to Brianna's question about the Lord's will. That sums us up, doesn't it? I think as women in general, we try to follow God and we try to do what he wants us to do. And it doesn't change from city to city, place to place. There really is a feeling of just wanting to do good, just wanting to please him. I love that. I'm like, is that in me? Is that in me? I think it is. I think it is. Oh, that's so good. And I just have two more questions for you. And one of them's a fairly heavy question from one of our listeners. And Mandy writes to you and she also you are part of her van playlist, it sounds like from her post, but I'm going to summarize her question. Um, She says, Hillary, I feel as if I'm on the brink of what many would call a faith crisis. Since you are one of my heroes, and you are in my ear every day, how do I get started to tackle this? I want so desperately for things that I've been taught since I was young to be true. And more importantly, I want to raise my family in what is true. Where do I start? Oh, if I was sitting right next to you, I would just give you a big hug. Because I think at one level or another, we have all experienced that. Um, and I would, I, I don't know that I know the, the perfect answer, but if, if I was experiencing that, what I would probably do is to not be afraid to ask questions as long as they were sincere and you were asking to really know and you're asking the right people and looking to the right sources. In fact, there's a really good talk by Sherry Dew, which has turned into a book that's really good, about wrestling with God. And it's all about taking your questions to him with the desire, with the intent to find those answers, with a, a deep desire to know if it's true or not. So if I could make one recommendation, I would say either read that talk, which you can find online, or pick up her book if you have the ability to. And don't be afraid that you have questions. We all have questions at times. And questions lead us to, 
a more solid foundation of faith. Asking helps us find answers. There's so many times in church history and in the history of our own lives, if we didn't ask, we wouldn't have known. So don't be, don't feel ashamed that you have questions. Don't feel ashamed that your faith might be wobbly. I would I would venture to guess that maybe while your faith is wobbly in one area, it's probably very still strong in another area or lots of areas. Hang on to that while you're asking. As President Uchtdorf said, doubt your doubts. You know, be, what is that quote? Am I saying that right? Doubt your, your doubts before you doubt your you, faith. Your faith. <laughs> I'm so glad you're smart, Sarah. <laughs> Just be okay with yourself. Know that God is ready and willing to answer you. Um, Humbly approach him, and you're going to find sweet answers ahead and sweet experiences as you as you seek to find above all don't be don't be ashamed that you have questions uh, embrace it and, and find the truth and that is straight straight from the words of your hero mandy what a rare and neat opportunity um that you've had to find um hillary in this way to to talk about those things and what bravery thank you for posting and hillary thank you for tackling um her question in such a kind um an action-packed way. I'm so grateful for this chance we've had to connect to you. So we really just have one last question here on the podcast. This has been an absolute honor for me, Hillary. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony and your goodness and your experiences with our listeners. And my my big final question for you is, because you have been so one-on-one with women of the church out there, um, what is your, and this may sound like a broken record a little bit, but what is your message to them? If you could get up on a stage with all the women of the church and deliver one message to them, what would it be? I I will narrow it down to one only because you're making me. Oh, <laughs> I can, I can so- re-record and say two or three. <laughs> Um, there's so many things I would want to say, and you know tonight I'm going to lay in bed and think of what I really would have loved to say, too, because it's such a beautiful question and such a uh, beautiful thing to think about. But could I share one thing with you uh, and with our listeners today that has been life-changing for me and influential uh, on a daily basis? And that is a quote by Elder Cornish. Uh, if I was amazing, I would know which conference it was from, but the, they'll easily be able to find it. He says, our Heavenly Father loves us so much that the things that are important to us become important to him just because he loves us. So if you are growing your sweet family, if you are trying to have a family, if you are struggling with someone in your family, if you're growing your business, if you're struggling in your business, if you're seeking for answers, if you're pursuing your goals and dreams, please remember that it is important to Heavenly Father because it's important to you, just because he loves you. So don't be afraid to ask him for his help. Don't be afraid to get on your knees and tell him what's going right, what's going wrong, ask for inspiration, ask for him to light the way, to send answers, to give you ideas that you may not have thought of yet, to give you the right words in the right moment. He will help you. I believe this with all my heart. He will help us 
with anything that we need help with. It's important to him, no matter how big, no matter how small, or anything in between, just because he loves us. That's how important we are to him. Oh, that's beautiful, Hillary. What a beautiful closing remark. And I feel like in a way we've come full circle because that is much of what your song, He Hears Me, is about. And I love that that's how your career was sort of started and that that is what we've come full circle here to understand with your message to the women of the church. So thank you so much for your time, for your enthusiasm, for everything you do to make the world good. We have been so grateful to have you here today on the podcast. Thank you. Such a pleasure to share the time with you and your listeners. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you want to connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women With Fire podcast, find us on Instagram at The Women With Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women With Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.